And the lady just shook her head and she said, I can't believe this. She said, I've been in, in this job in this, in this, you know, for decades, no one has ever come up with such an outrageous way to circumvent our law, but you did. And you're right. <laughs> she said, you found a loophole. Welcome everyone to the Kingdom REI podcast. This is your host, Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom REI Mastermind and another fantastic guest episode. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be supernatural in your business? And I'm not just talking about supernatural effort or supernatural um, grind. I'm talking about having the supernatural power of God with you at all times, connected to the source, the reason for doing things. Um, I am so excited to have this guest on today. He's been a mentor of mine from afar for a long time. One of his first books, The Perfect, the Perfect Investment, was one of the first real estate books that I read that I shared with all my friends when we got into the world of multifamily. Just a real industry leader, a ton that we're going to learn from today about doing uh, business with God, but also uh, raising funds and doing real estate. And so without further ado, let me welcome everyone uh paul moore how are you brother hey man it's great to be here i'm so honored to be on your show ellis yeah it's about time man come on <laughs> yeah right so paul welcome to the kingdom Mario podcast man this is where we really get to dive deep into um the life the journey business principles from kingdom titans man like you and so are you ready i'm ready to roll man well, brother, before we jump in, I just let me pray for us, ask God to bless his time, and we'll get All going. Right. Father, thank you so much for Paul. Thank you for his ministry, his work, which is blessed and serves so many people. I pray that today, this episode will be an extension of that, God, for your name's sake. I pray for our listeners today, Lord, that they might take something from this that would give them supernatural power uh, to work for you and with you today in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, Paul, You've been on how many podcast shows? Hundreds, thousands? You've lost count? <laughs> uh, we, we lost count at around 200. Yeah. So there's, guys, if you just Google his name. There's so much rich content, man, that you put out. We were just on a road trip the other day and listened to one of your shows about um, DSTs. And just, there's so much good stuff, man. But what I don't necessarily get to hear enough of, which I know this is so true to who you are and getting to know you over the last year or so is just your faith man and so i'd like to start there maybe a little bit different from most podcasts i've heard from you and take us back to your faith journey and story and then we can get into the business stuff too but would you just tell us maybe how and a turning point for you in your faith and, and where a lot of this um foundation comes from yeah i grew up um as an on as an unbeliever um in you know went to a church some my parents wanted to you know me to go so I went to Sunday school and I grew up and during my college years the last year and a half of college I got more and more convicted that the way I was living was wrong you know that my foul mouth and the way I was treating girlfriends and different things and so I just got more and more just sick about it and <clears throat> so I heard from my mom who was not a believer at the time that a bunch of my cousins had become Mormons. Uh, these were distant cousins, but she's like, you ought to look into that. And so <laughs> I was going for a summer job uh, to Denver that summer. And my, the town where my college was, was so small. There wasn't even a Mormon church and uh, it was Marietta, Ohio. 
And um, so I got an engineering undergrad there. And so I'm like, I told my friends, I'm like, hey, when I come back from my senior year of college, man, I'm going to be a Mormon. And this one friend of mine who was actually a Christian was trying to talk me out of it. And he had been drinking one night and he was a brand new Christian. And he was telling me, uh, he's like, man, Mormonism's a cult. And I'm like, look, if you're a Christian, then I definitely want to be a Mormon. <laughs> and so, and uh, uh, anyway, I became a Christian that summer. I ended up becoming best friends with that guy. We started a Christian rock band together. Oh, wow. uh, and I named my first son after him. So, wow. but uh, it's a fun memory. But, you know, Ellis, I spent, I've been a believer 36 years. And I spent about the first 30 with a real problem right here, right between my ears. And that problem was this false dichotomy. It was a lie. I, right after I became a Christian, I thought, man, like, okay, so I'm in engineering and then I got an MBA and I'm in business. But if I'm really spiritual someday, maybe, maybe I can go to work in the church. Maybe mm. I could just get a job as, a, as an administrator, or maybe I could like volunteer to do finance for the church or something. And I didn't believe, I believe in this false dichotomy that said there's the spiritual part of my life, the stuff I pray for, like people who are lost or giving money to missions. But then there's the rest of my life, which was including business. And I was kind of a, I didn't admit it, but I was kind of ashamed of that. Like, oh, business is second class. I'm a second class Christian. Maybe I can make enough money to put money in the offering plate. And maybe I can find some value to the church there. But I didn't know that as, an un, as a believer among a bunch of unbelievers in business, I had more opportunities than any pastor, almost any pastor, to touch unbelievers and to bring the kingdom into every place I lived and worked and traveled. And I regret, Ellis, that I spent 30 years thinking that way. And I'm so grateful for you for this podcast because you have merged the two. Even the name of your show, it merges kingdom and investing and business. And I love that. And uh, it, it took me years to get out of that mindset. And I still wrestle with it to tell you the truth. Yeah, no, I think that's such a, you know, balls that I don't know, we're over 100 episodes now, man. And, and that's so true. Like, I think a lot of us go through that. And I, and I don't know, I don't want to blame it on the church or our pastors. I just think that's part of the culture. And it's not that it's ever been mm -hmm. taught to me from the front. But you know, what's interesting is, what we platform and i think this goes back to what we platform what we celebrate who we yeah, put on right, stage right always is is you know put is put on a pinnacle and so right. i hope man at the very least that this show just platforms it it highlights the work of kingdom entrepreneurship right. as a godly activity and so you're absolutely right man i think a lot of us struggle with that and you know i would love to see more testimonies and witnesses of what God is doing, you know, inside the inside of our churches of mm. CEOs and entrepreneurs, absolutely crushing it in business, but yeah. doing it in a way that honors God. So I'm right there yeah. with you, man. It's absolutely true, man. There's so many stories and so many fun testimonies that I've heard about since I opened my mind to this and some of them are my own stories. But uh, I, I love the fact that God wants to redeem everything. Mm. 
God's got his stamp. He's got his fingerprint. He's got his finger pointed in a good way at every one of the spheres of society. So whether it's education or business or sports or media or, you know, uh, music, arts and entertainment, government, he wants to redeem and fill everyone. And every place Christians abandon is a place that gets filled by darkness because, you know, in, in every one of those spheres, Ellis, I believe that only a handful of people, a small number of people at the top, control the whole sphere. And that's more true than ever now, what we've seen in government going on this last you know year in the United States. A small number of people can steer the whole ship. And so think about it. Joseph, he was never in charge. He was never Pharaoh, but he helped steer the whole ship of the whole world at that time by bringing God's wisdom to Pharaoh. Uh, think about the other people like Esther. She was never, you know, king. Okay. She was never king. She was never the top dog, but she steered the whole ship in a direction that was really powerful. Think about Daniel. Daniel, he was called I mean, I want to go out on a limb a little bit here. He was actually willing to be identified with the spiritualists, the mediums, the, the, all, the, the people using magic arts. He was willing to identify with them. He saved all their lives. And he actually was willing to be an advisor and said, long live the king to these guys who were like Hitler's. Real estate professionals, I'm talking to you. Are you serious about growing and scaling your real estate business or portfolio this year? Do you lack a community of peers who share your ambitious vision and love for God? Listen, I know early on I felt like I had to choose between these two passions. Oftentimes my communities were split between business and faith, and there really wasn't a place where both entrepreneurial success and kingdom advancement was being celebrated. This is why we started the Kingdom REI Mastermind, the real estate mastermind for kingdom leaders who are investors, fund managers, syndicators, brokers, lenders, eager to honor God and transform their communities through business success. Look, we've helped more than two dozen real estate professionals just like yourself find resources, partners, or just even giving them permission to take their business to the next level while keeping the main focus on the kingdom of God. So, uh, listen, if you're interested, this is truly an application-only community. Why? Because inside of our mastermind, relationships are everything. We believe this is the key to growth. And I want to invite you to see if you qualify by heading over to thekingdomrei.com and filling out an application. I personally screen all applications, and if I think we can help you, we'll set up a call to discuss further. Look, there's no reason you shouldn't head over to thekingdomrei.com to learn more. Request your invitation. Start building relationships and doing deals with the best kingdom leaders in the industry. We have testimony after testimony to prove that you are literally one connection away from the faith, the family, and the business success that you desire. So don't wait any longer. Head to thekingdomrei.com. And he ended up with the most powerful salvation in world history, I think. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. God did that through him because he was willing to serve well and not just try to keep his serving inside the walls of, you know, four church walls. Wow. wow. So 
Paul, there's so many ways I want to take this. You you mentioned before we got on the show, though, a couple powerful personal stories, stories you've seen throughout your time. I mean, we, those are great examples from the from the Bible, and I love that. Like those are not pastors or, or priests or disciples. In some ways, those were ordinary, average men and women who yeah. said, "The time is now. I was made for a time such as this, and how can right. I be used in, in light of it?" And is that not the the story of the scriptures, right? Of an yeah. average man or woman, a sin, not even average. Most of the scripture is just really sinful men and women that God uses and they yeah. were willing to be used, right? And so Absolutely. in some ways our ethical, I would say our moral and ethical compass is probably more guided than theirs are many of the times. Um, but what about you personally, man? Yeah, so I, so I had, um, I sold my company to a publicly traded firm in 1997 and at 33 years old, uh, sell your company for 3 million was pretty amazing. Um, I had about 1.8 million in the bank, I think. And uh, that was in 1997, 98, exactly 10 years later to the month, I had two and a half million in debt. And uh, that debt was all against real estate, thankfully. In other words, it was tied up again in waterfront lots and flip homes that didn't flip and all these things like that. And of course, what we know is in the fall of 2007, we were hurtling down a black hole, which would become the great financial crisis. But you got to remember, we didn't know that then. You can look back now and say, well, you should have known. Yeah, but we didn't. We thought maybe the worst of it was over in 2007 and we were coming out of this. And of course, we had no idea we were about to plunge into it. And so that's where I was. I had two and a half million dollars in debt. My business partner, Ted, came to me and we're still good friends. Uh, he said, hey, I can't bear the weight of paying this interest anymore on this debt. I'm done. So you can have all the properties. I'm signing them over to you. You can have all the debt good luck. And I said, man, we're, God's going to get us out of this. And, he, and I didn't know that. But uh, he's like, yeah, I'm done. So I was sitting in my chair one Sunday morning meditating. And I had my Bible open. And I had this thought, WWGMD. Now, honestly, that's not how it came to me. That That's how I say it. But what would George Mueller do? That's how it really came to me. <laughs> and so I thought, what would George Mueller do? Now I'd written some, read some books. I mean, on George Mueller, seen a video of him, a, a movie. And I was like, George Mueller, he hated debt. So George Mueller was a guy who was a hellion in Germany. Ellis knows, but a lot of our listeners might not. He was a hellion in Germany in the early 1800s. He became a saint when he moved. Uh, and then he moved to England in the, you know, like the 1820s. And he lived all through the 1800s, and he ended up housing uh, up to 10,000 total orphans over his over that century. And during that time, he did these amazing exploits for God. He was very opinionated. <laughs> One opinion he had is that he should never, ever ask for money. He should just trust God. And he actually kept a very, very detailed journal of every single penny that came in and every single prayer he prayed, if you can imagine praying that way and recording it all. And then he left a blank next to it for the date that the prayer was answered. I mean, he had these crazy stories. And if we had more time, we could talk about George. Well, I was already in trouble because he didn't believe in debt. And I was like, oh, what would George Mueller do? Well, he wouldn't be two and a half million dollars. <laughs> he wouldn't be here. <laughs> so I'm already in trouble. But if he was two and a half million dollars in debt, what would he do? Well, 
he would trust God. He would do something outrageous, something that looked foolish in the world's eyes. So I figured out what I was going to do. Well, that, by the way, to confirm that that was the Lord, that Sunday morning, I'd never in 13 years heard my pastor mention George Mueller. He preached on George Mueller as the example in his sermon that very morning. So uh, I called my family together, uh, four little kids and my wife, and I said, hey, we're in trouble. <laughs> and um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give our way out of debt. And they were like, okay, whatever. And my, my wife was like, we're going to what? And then I called two friends together who were encouraging me to declare bankruptcy. One was a CPA, my CPA's husband, who was in accountability group with me. And uh, they were like, what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do next? I said, I'm going to give my way out of debt. And that <laughs> went over really, really well. Let me tell you, they just stared at me and looked back at their sausage biscuit. And they're like, okay. So January 1st, 2008, we started giving a set weekly amount and it was painful. And we were, you know, I mean, it was basically, we were borrowing that money uh, again in our home at last 50,000 in our home equity line. I think we were going through ripping through it every month and we were given a certain amount every week. And four weeks into that, the end of January, I met a guy at a subway restaurant who was a real estate developer. He made what I think was kind of a random comment that provided a light bulb moment for me. I went down to planning and zoning the next day with my surveyor who was literally so embarrassed to be there with me. And I said, hey, you guys got a law that says I can't subdivide this waterfront property. That's a, a huge amount of my debt was tied up in that. But I think I can, here's how. And I showed him based on that light bulb moment. My surveyor was literally looking away, looking down, embarrassed. And the lady just shook her head and she said, I can't believe this. She said, I I've been in, in this job in this, in this, you know, for decades, no one has ever come up with such an outrageous way to circumvent our law, but you did. And you're right. <laughs> she said, you found a loophole. And so there was a lot of difficult times left after that. There was calls to surveyors and soil test engineers and attorneys and banks. But 13 months later, we were completely debt free in the middle of the great financial crisis. Paul, how do you connect for those who are listening? Incredible story there. How, how, are you, how do you connect that decision to, to, to give your way out of debt to that moment where the light bulb came, come, comes off? Because some people say, well, cool, you met a guy. Yeah, you're right, right. And you, know, you, got, you were smart, you're savvy. What's the connection? I can't absolutely prove that there was a direct connection. It's just a faith thing. I mean, George Mueller couldn't always prove that something, a prayer he prayed led to that person's salvation or that building of that new orphanage, but he believed it. And I believed it. And I had a deep settling in my heart that it was the Lord. I want to tell you a, since this is a kingdom REI podcast, I want to tell you something that I rarely ever share. And that is, I don't think God's a vending machine. I don't think I could just put in this certain amount of giving a month. By the way, we kept that giving going for another 10 years at that same level. And then we doubled it after that. And then it's gone really weird after that. And this is where I'm going to, this is where I'm being very open with you. Um, from 2014 to 29 to 2020, 
honestly, that giving did not seem to work. And just the fact that I just said that gives away my heart. Like I, I might have thought God was a vending machine. I might have thought if I just give, I'll get back. Look, it says it right here in Malachi 3, but it wasn't working that way. And I got to be honest, For I, I had to wrestle with and remember that God was a God of relationship. Yes, he gave me this incredible bailout. And if I told you the like the 30-minute version of that story, you'd be even more amazed at some of the details I had to go through to get that bail, you know, to get free of that debt. But at any rate, I don't think God's a God of a vending machine God that just automatically answers those prayers. And for years, honestly, we went through a real financial drought. And um, it ended really, really well. In December 2020s, I had some huge breakthroughs that all, I was able to connect, like really easily connect to, again, to our years of giving. But it didn't seem that way for a long time. And I would even tell this story in 2018, 19, 2020, and be like, I'm not sure if God really is with me anymore in this way. And I'm being super open here. Hey, real estate investors, those of you still on the fence about the Kingdom REI Mastermind, I want to let you know about an upcoming event we have in August of this year in Dallas, Texas. We are bringing together some of the biggest names, brightest minds of the multifamily industry for a three-day event. This is the exclusive opportunity for our Kingdom REI Mastermind to really get together and learn from industry leaders who are also kingdom-minded and the chance to rub shoulders with the right partners who can help you grow and scale your real estate business. So if you're interested in the Kingdom REI Mastermind and attending an event like this, go to thekingdomrei.com to request your invitation. That's thekingdomrei.com. But I know he was, and I know he is, and I know he's faithful, but he wants relationship mm. more than just being a vending machine. Mm. What switched for you? Was there was there something in 2020 or 2021 that helped you? You said it wasn't working, but it seems like something the light has come on. Yeah, for time's sake, I can't tell you the whole story. But on December 31st, um, 2020, I closed on a massive deal that was almost like this gift from heaven. That um, that deal uh, just provided so much cash that um, I just felt like oh. I see why it was delayed now. It made total sense that it was delayed. That's one thing. Yeah. The second thing in the year 2019 and 20, uh, our, our company Wellings Capital just really took off and hit stride. Now, the way it works with what we do, and again, for time's sake, I'll just summarize and say, we don't get paid till after investors get paid. Like we don't make a lot of money at Wellings Capital till investors make money first. And so we just really started to hit stride as well during that last year or two. Also here, here, I want to learn from you, brother. I, I really do just because you've been in business for so long. You've had the ups, you've had the downs, maybe multiple downs and multiple ups. Multiple. And, Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think there's a title to this. There's a thread of like the supernatural and business and you chatted or talked about, you know, you, you made a decision when things were rough. You know, but a lot of people right now, I mean, we're in the best financial economic time. I mean, you, you could argue in the best, even though we've had COVID and, and a lot of yeah, people right, are right, struggling. Right. It's crazy. Most are doing, a lot are still doing very well and they've had great success over yes. the last decade. Right. You know, 
how on a, on just from a daily standpoint and not trusting God when things are just at the bottom, but learning to live out the supernatural in everyday business. What what would you say to those who are just, hey, I'm not in bottom. I'm actually doing well, but I don't feel like I'm really connected to the source in the way that I'm doing things. Business is thriving. I got, you know, it's not like I can't put food on the table, but I'm just don't feel aligned on a day-to-day yep. basis. Does that make sense? Man, it makes so much sense. It's hitting really close to home because we've got a really big challenge in our business right now. And it's and my business partner is a believer and he has all the same beliefs and values that I have. And, um, but we, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that we need to be, you know, the vine and he is, you know, he is the vine. I mean, we need to be connected to that vine as his branches. It's easy to forget that it's easy to forget that in John 14, 16 and 17, it basically said, ask whatever you wish. If you're connected to me, ask and you'll receive, and I will provide for you. It's easy to forget that that applies to business, not just finances, not just food on the table, not just my brother-in-law being saved. It's, it includes all that. And even as you asked the question, I think the Lord spoke to me and said, did you forget? Mm. You're talking about it. Did you forget? Cause we've got some big challenges we've got to face right now. And I want to, uh, to connect that. I mean, I I've got some amazing stories of other people. I love to tell at least one of that were able to connect that at work. And it just reminds me that I need to, too. Mm. Yeah, please. I think stories are the way that we kind of flesh out the supernatural. It's one thing to read it and hear about it, but stories, I think, make it real. Please do. I'll, I'll just try to summarize two stories real quick. So there was a guy uh, named Mark, and Mark worked for an unbelieving Jewish boss. And uh, Mark was really convicted that he needed to bring his faith to work. He wasn't the owner of the company. Uh, just like Joseph wasn't the Pharaoh, but I mean, he was probably even much lower in the totem pole than maybe than Joseph would ever be. But at any rate, he went around and started praying for people at his company. Hey, can I pray for you? Oh, you, oh, okay, never mind. Can, can I pray for you? Oh, yeah. Well, the boss heard about the unbelieving Jewish boss. And one day he comes out and he says, Mark, I struggle with migraines and I heard you pray for people. Can you just pray for me? And Mark prayed for him and he got instantly healed. And so the boss starts telling everybody about it. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, anyway, right after that, they were in Las Vegas at a trade show and they were renting the big zip line there in Las Vegas. There's more than one, I think, but they were renting it and the, the, they were getting ready to use the zip line as a thing for all their customers and the unbelieving Jewish boss. It's all excited and everything, but the zip line operator says sorry we're gonna have to shut down what yeah we're gonna have to shut down look and they points over there and there's these massive black clouds rolling in he said i can't operate with that storm coming in i, I just gotta shut down here in a few minutes and mark and then and then the boss goes the unbelieving jewish boss goes <laughs> oh ho- hold on hold on hey mark come here <laughs> you know what's happening next right so he tells mark you know hey you gotta pray that storm away man and Mark is like, what? Uh, give me a minute. So Mark walks around the corner and starts texting his family and friends and his Bible studies like, 
you won't believe it. My boss told me to, and while he's texting them, he hears the boss gathering the customers around us. Okay, guys, so what's going on here is there's a big storm. You can see the storm. Operator's trying to shut down, but don't worry. Mark here. <laughs> Where's Mark? Mark's going to pray, and God's going to move this. And so, like, Mark's freaking out, right? So, anyway, somebody texts him back and said, I see in my spiritual eyes, I see a big dome of protection over the zip line. And so Mark prays, Mark goes back, and lo and behold, the storm splits and goes to the left and to the right. And somebody somewhere in Las Vegas took a picture. I don't know if it was part of their group or not. And it looked like there was like a dome of protection over the zip line area. They used the zip line. Everybody had fun. But here's my point. When the boss needs help, when the boss is trying to make a big business decision or a big ethical or moral decision, who do you think he might call on? Maybe he's going to call on Mark, even though Mark's an entry level or lower level guy, he's going to have influence. You and I don't need to be the president or the CEO or the school board president or the you know senator. We can have influence by putting ourselves out there and taking risks and letting God show up, whatever we're doing at work or whatever. I love that story about Mark. Well, I think that's amazing. And for those who are listening, you know, maybe you're, you know, I'm speaking to our audience here, you know, maybe you listen to the show and you, I know a lot of younger folks, younger, you know, under 30, you're listening to this and you're not the CEO, you're not the, the boss of your company. And, but I think of a guy like Daniel, you know, we've used that story before where um, he comes under King Nebuchadnezzar. In a lot of ways they were, slaves i mean that's yeah. really what they were but yet yeah. his his stance to say i serve god and god alone gave him influence and power and in, in ultimately helped the king and i just think about wherever you're at in your workplace today like you know the the boldness the, to, to say no this is what i do and, and to make that known no telling what god might you know how god might use you and so i just i think that's right on paul and i, I think there's so many that are listening to that like that is a modern day way to to make a stand and become a kingdom leader um even if you're not in charge you know and, and a lot of people are in charge of their business too and there's right. different stories for that but i think that's such a good one to say you, you know god can multiply your impact way faster Absolutely. than you can yeah let's talk about that. a guy who is in charge can we yeah matt mcpherson he was a he's an engineer he was a tinker. He's a musician. He's a worship leader. He's an evangelist, but he wasn't really that successful at any of that. Mark would, uh, Mark, um, Matt McPherson would go out on these weekend events. He's got five kids to feed. He would do this big worship and evangelism conference and he got like $28 in the offering. This wasn't working out. And he's like, Lord, I'm going to have to do something different here. Well, one day the Lord, he, he also loved bow hunting and he was just obsessed with building bows himself. And so he actually, he, he said, God spoke to him one time and said, I've got the best ideas in the world for everything. People just don't ask. And so he, it sounds kind of snarky and I don't know the actual tone, but apparently Mark uh, excuse me, Matt McPherson said, well, Lord, if you've got the best ideas in the world for everything, help me build a better bow. Well, see, compound bows have been invented in the late 60s. 
but they didn't fire right. They always had two cams. They always fired like the cams wouldn't perfectly sink. And so the boat, the arrow would go a little left, a little right, a little high, a little low. And so he was trying to build a better compound bow. Well, he said, Lord, help me build a better compound bow. Well, he reports that two weeks later, he was awakened from his sleep to a piece of notebook paper with lines on it and holes in it floating in front of his face like this, you know, like just a piece of notebook paper floating. But when he looked closer, he could actually see a schematic drawn on it. And it was a design of a completely different kind of compound bow. So Matt McPherson copies this down. His wife's like, what are you doing? He says, I think I'm having a vision. And he copies this down. He goes out and builds this bow, gets patents on it. Fast forward, you know, a couple decades now, you know, Kia builds a whole lot of cars and they make a small profit on each car. Rolls Royce builds a few cars a year. They make a massive profit on each car. Matthews Bowes builds the most bows in the world and makes the highest, highest profit per bow. And Matt McPherson still does evangelism walking around his mall in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, even though he's the owner of the largest archery um, uh, company in the world. <laughs> and Matt has also designed a different kind of acoustic guitar called the McPherson guitar. And it's 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 cherished guitar and the, and the prices on those are many times higher than these even higher end guitars. Wow. Wow. I just, it, I think for anyone listening right now, and I think this is just a, a good reminder for me is like that you, and you said this earlier and I'm thinking about it even with Matt, like, are we focused on the relationship with God? Right. Like it, it, this is not a formula. And I think that's both what we've, we've chatted about before. And that's why I love doing this show because I think business and this idea, you know, we, we don't want to talk about money so much, but man, I think there's so much about money and capitalism and, and entrepreneurship that actually like the, the idea of taking risk and going out on ventures like there is that's a, such an incredible way to trust God in those opportunities, you know, and it's not just I love the evangelism to the mall, but also the the risk you're taking in your business to go and, and create income that ultimately can help feed families and, you know, change communities. I just think those are ways that I mean, gives you natural opportunities to walk and trust with God, you know, and so I think being an entrepreneur is one of the greatest gifts that we have is because we get to trust God in a whole new way um, that, you know, I necessarily didn't get to do when I was a pastor. And so right. I do think there's just an invitation that we have today to say, God, like, like, I hope people are hearing this say, there's an invitation for you today to commune with God in a deeper way than maybe you've ever thought before in your work. And I know that's coming out from me, Paul. So, man, I, I really appreciate those those testimonies. Um, let me ask you, and I, we got a few minutes here, and I want to I want to make a, a short transition. If you have anything you want to add, feel free to go back. But let's talk about Wellings real quick and just what you're doing there. You know, I think um, you're a real leader in this fun space and kind of addressed because there is a huge real estate crowd here you know, what you're doing at Wellings. I mean, there's a couple of points I want to go. I want to just hear kind of your outlook on the market. Maybe we'll end with there. But can you talk about, are, are, do you still have the the 
I guess, for-profit, for-impact model within Wellings where you're using to fight human trafficking with that as well? Do you still do that? Yeah. So Wellings Capital is a commercial real estate fund. We offer people diversification across different asset types and geographies, operators. And um, we're passionate about using our funds to do a couple different things. One is to fight human trafficking and to rescue its victims. And the other is to reach unreached people groups with the gospel. And we're mm -hmm. so excited about both of those. Did you know, Ellis, if you took the record profits, not the average, the record profits of Apple, General Motors, Nike, and Starbucks, and you added those together and tripled that number, that's the estimated annual revenues generated by human trafficking around the world each year. Wow. It's stunning. It's a huge problem. And I'd like to believe that if I was alive in the 1800s, I would have been an abolitionist fighting against slavery. And I'd like to believe that if I was an adult in the 1960s, I would have been fighting against, you know, fighting for civil rights. Well, this is a civil right. It's been ripped away from tens of millions of people. And it is slavery. And would you believe that hundreds and hundreds of people have been enslaved since this morning. Hundreds of people have been enslaved since this morning. And it's happening right under our noses. And we need to stand up and make let, let the world know it. And the reason I talk about it widely is, in theory, everybody hates it. I mean, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, Christians, Buddhists, hopefully, Everybody listening to this hates human trafficking and slavery, and we have a chance to do something about it. When you say your fun goes towards that, can you, there's a lot of, especially in our mastermind community, this idea of how do we use our business for, for purposes such as that? Can you explain just how that's connected from a, from a structure standpoint yeah. so we can understand that? We, we honestly, this is a big fail. So we, I, about five years, six years ago, I decided to actually donate a certain percentage of our profits toward this. And then what we did is we went through, uh, I actually, uh, two partners, uh, have invited them to leave, uh, about three, two and a half, three years ago. And I bought them out. I got a new partner and we've decided that we would each do this individually. So in other words, I promote this stuff all I can on podcasts like yours. Sure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform. And, um, but we are, my business partner and I decided we're each going to take these things up personally. So yeah. like I might donate to Exodus cry. I might donate to, you know, um, this, the finishing fund, my business partner might donate to other things, but he is, we and he and I are both passionate about these things. Paul, see, so we're in season two of this podcast, and I feel like a lot of, um, I, let me ask you a question around profit is what, what I want to get to, because this has come up a lot, and you've talked a lot about generosity and giving. I just want to know, like, from a kingdom standpoint, how much, how much do you focus on profit itself as a kingdom capitalist, as an entrepreneur? Like, how important is the, the goal or the target of profit? in your business and, and how do you, you know, I guess, how do you differ, differentiate between profit and generosity 
um, both of those, you know, being, yeah. I guess, being something you should steward over. I guess, you know, I, I mean, I, wanna, I don't know how this is going to come across, but um, everybody says they're really customer focused and they're client first. And we really try to keep that in front of us. We really believe just like George Mueller used um, orphans in a funny sort of way. If you really dig deep into his story, he used orphans as kind of a proof that God re was real. And we're saying this, we're using prophets as proof of, you know, that God is with us and all that. But, but our real goal here is, you know, is to honor God and glorify God. But our real goal is to really bless our clients. Mm. And we really feel like if we really put them first, and I could, if we had time, I could tell you a few recent decisions where we really disadvantaged ourselves to advantage our clients. And by doing that, we really believe that not only will they see God, if, if and when they realize we even did that, we have hundreds of investors and they don't even all know what we do. Um, some of them just, you know, you know, they get a check from us, but we really do believe it'll honor God and he'll uh, promote us in the end and give us even more to steward for, uh, for the kingdom. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here, Paul, and we're talking. It's just amazing to me, man. Like I was reading, you know, I was still a pastor, a missionary when I read your book, The Perfect Investment. Wow. Never Seriously. would have thought, like, you know, wow, I'm gonna, you know, it, I don't know. For me, that when I was sharing your book, I was like, this is a great guy. This is so helpful in me getting into this business. And here we are interviewing such a God story there, man, of, of how He's just connected our paths. I think I would be amiss not to ask you about some real estate stuff before we get out of here because I've learned so much from you in this real estate game and. I know recently you've you've gone from from operator status to really launching and building funds. Talk to me about what you see right now in the multifamily market. And are you bullish? Are you bearish? If you are targeting multifamily, what asset class? Um, and kind of your your outlook over the next you know over this next decade in terms of multifamily specifically. I've had so much fun with this. I'm about to go to a new level of fun. Um, so I wrote a book called The Perfect Investment, which was a humble title, haha. -ha. And uh, but it really does put out the argument that multifamily is a perfect, uh, you know, combination of demographics and financing and investor interest. It just was a, is a great asset class. Then about two years after writing it, I started saying, well, the perfect investment's not perfect anymore if you have to overpay to get it. And I still believe that, but I'm coming to a new revelation here. I have actually been studying inflation for some time now. And I really believe that the natural outcome of all the money printing that we're doing is going to be inflation. And if inflation kicks in, the multifamily prices we're seeing right now, which are historically at the highest levels ever, undisputable, that's true. Um, well, they may be the lowest prices we ever see in the coming decades, because inflation could mean that you can lock in an interest rate, a lock in a loan payment in year zero and have 12 up to 12 years of that loan payment or up to 35 years if you do an, a certain type of FHA loan for multifamily. And you've locked in that payment stream but your revenue is based on these inflated rents. And just the natural result of inflation is inflated rents and revenues. It's possible that the very best profits in multifamily and co other commercial real estate asset classes are right on the horizon. 
if you're a smart investor, if you lock in low rates long term, and if you're willing to buy and hold. That's my opinion as of today. I'm glad I asked you that question. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's hopeful. I uh, probably am along the same mindset of you there. I think that's kind of why we're looking at things that we can hold for the next 10, 20, 30 years is the type yeah. of real estate that we want to be buying. So I really appreciate that, man. Um, Paul, this has been a blast, man. Seriously, I, I'm so grateful that we made the time to be on the show together. Me too, man. This has been such a great, this just made my day. Uh, if people want to learn more about Wellings, you, I, there's so many things. Let me ask you this. There's something in particular I want people to go read. You have a, a reading plan on the version app um, yeah. that you've written. What, what is that called and where can people find that? Yeah, it's so the version Bible plan uh, has a Bible, they, excuse me, version app has a Bible plan called Doing Business Supernaturally. And I talk about these two or three stories I just gave you and plus a bunch more and a lot more principles. And so Uversion um, has, again, the Bible plan, doing business supernaturally. If people want to connect with me, they can do so at wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S capital.com. And throw a slash resources on there, wellingscapital.com slash resources. And we'll give you uh, eBooks on self-storage investing, mobile home park investing, and then a wonderful course on introduction to commercial real estate investing. It's both on audio and on, uh, on emails. Paul, love it, brother. Thank you so much for having us, uh, for, for being here, man. And look forward to doing some more things with you in the future. You bet, man. I was honored. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is... Listen, if you're a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to thekingdomrei.com to learn about our mastermind. If you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes, then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that. Cheers. Cheers.